0: over the word real quick and then we'll jump into it amen lord uh we ask god that uh our hearts lord would be fertile soil and that your word would be the seed that is to be planted this morning Uh, god we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and uh we ask father you would open our hearts this morning in your name jesus amen 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 Amen, church um So, last week, uh, we talked about faith, and uh, the title of of last week's uh, sermon was Flesh, Faith, and Finitude, and uh, today's part two, with the subtitle of The Struggle, and today uh, we'll be reading out of a few passages, and I want to start uh, with with this one in particular, and then we'll get into it. it says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. In, in reading this, uh, I don't know if Jesus was being literal about not finding anyone else in Israel with such great faith, or was he being hyperbolic? Was he exaggerating just to make the point? Um... What does stand out to me is that he took his time, right? He took the time to point out that whoever it is he was talking about showed a a faith, showed a faith that he had not found or seen amongst the chosen people of God, who were descendants of the father of faith. We learned about Abraham last week being the father of faith who had been given promise and prophecy and Jesus makes it a point that this man's faith is unique. And it makes me ask, what was it about that man's faith that moved him to show such faith that it would amaze Jesus? What did he know that others didn't? But we're going to put a pin in that for right now and we'll come back to it later. Um, Today, I would like to talk about the relationship between faith and struggle. And struggle can look in so many different ways, right? Sometimes we, we struggle with God and uh, questions come up of, of God's maybe God's existence, God's goodness. Uh, a veces batallamos en la vida con, con preguntas y el batallar a veces es, es eso, preguntar, Existe Dios y Dios es bueno, ¿por qué pasa tal cosa? Um, sometimes our struggle is is with illness, with the the circumstances of life, with things that were just out of our control and we find ourselves just wrestling with these things, right? A veces la, el batallar es, es batallar con las cosas de la vida, verdad, con lo que ocurre, con con enfermedad, con cuando falta el dinero. Um, and so. There are different kinds of struggles in life. And so today I want to look at at two different men in Scripture who it would seem their stories have nothing in common, but I believe there is a common thread there that we can pull out. and, And we'll look at that as we go. Like I said last week, we learned about faith and how faith is the marriage between confidence and surrender. That faith is the proper means through which we can know and experience God, we can face this life and move away from sin. And I would like to continue in that same spirit and make the case that struggle is not the absence of faith. But maybe it is where faith is challenged and shaped. Tener problemas y tener batallas en la vida no es evidencia de que no tenemos fe. A veces pensamos que si estamos pasando por algo es porque no tenemos suficiente fe. Pero quizás a veces pasamos las cosas que pasamos porque quizás Dios está formando algo ahí. Está formando algo ahí. Amén. Through struggle we can know God in a new and fresh way. If we are willing to wrestle with God, with our fears, with our finitude, our limitations. And so let's get into it. We'll be in the book of Genesis today, chapter 32, verses 24 to 31. You can follow along in your Bibles. Vamos a estar en el libro de Génesis, capítulo 32, del 24 al 31. Y pueden leerlo en sus Biblias. But we also have, we have slides if you don't have your Bible on you. Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 to 31 says, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. As he wrestled with the man, then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and you have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him and he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. When we read the, the story of Jacob in Genesis earlier in Genesis, a few chapters before this week, we learned that Jacob was not the most honest or trustworthy person. On one occasion, he takes advantage of his brother and he exploits his brother's hunger. His brother showed up hungry one day, and Jacob's cooking. And his brother tells him, can I have some? And so Jacob barters a bowl of lentils for his brother's birthright. Right. And maybe the notion of birthrights in, in our culture isn't, isn't a thing. To them, it was, it was huge. His brother was next in line as heir to his father. He was to receive a blessing from his father to be named the next guy in their family, in their clan. Right. And so and so Jacob barters that for a bowl of lentils. And so sometime after that, when it was it was time for their father, Isaac, to bless Esau as the next in line. Motivated by his mother, Jacob deceived his father, who was who was blind and convinced them that he was Esau. And so Isaac blessed and named Jacob his heir instead of Esau and this angered Esau so much he wanted to kill Jacob. So this makes Jacob have to run for his life and go live somewhere else. Jacob, in the Biblia, the Bible nos dice que Jacob no era la persona más honesta. ¿Verdad? Uh, en dos ocasiones, Jacob um, miente para conseguir lo que él quería. ¿verdad? This is, this is the type of person that Jacob was. Uh, before, before Jacob and Esau were born, God had told their mom, their mom Rebecca, that the older brother would serve the younger. God had chosen Jacob from before birth, and, and I guess maybe maybe mom thought God needed help. And so when Isaac wants to bless Esau, Mom and Jacob sneak in with, with their plan of deception, and they, they trick Isaac. And this is what the name Jacob foreshadows, actually. It, the name Jacob means ankle grabber. When he was born, he came out. they were twins. Esau and Jacob are twins, and Esau's born, and he comes out first, and Jacob comes out grabbing his brother's ankle. A foreshadow of what later on would happen in their life, right? This is who who Jacob was, this was his identity. He was someone who was sneaky and deceptive. And so Jacob is driven away from home and has to live far away for years. Until finally he and his wives and his children and all that they have make their way back. He wants to come back home. But before Jacob could come home, he has to face his brother, who he had stolen from and deceived. And so this is where we find Jacob in this portion of the Bible that we read at the brink of facing his mistakes, his finitude, his past, and suddenly, suddenly out of nowhere, some random guy shows up and they start wrestling. I find that very interesting that scripture doesn't really tell us why or how. It just says that Jacob was left alone and someone showed up and they started wrestling. And so from this, I would like to make a few points about struggle and why it is important that as believers we understand the role of struggle in our lives. Yes, struggle has the potential to take our eyes off of Jesus. But what if with with the right heart posture and instead of running from the struggle, we engage it and realize that in fact it can draw us closer to God I find it interesting that the man Jacob fights, who we later realize is God himself. Some say God, some say an angel, but he doesn't keep a distance, right? From the get-go, it's up close and in your face with a lot of grabbing and grappling. And the beautiful thing about that kind of struggle with God is that in it, we find proximity, recognition identity and transformation proximity recognition identity and transformation proximity god is not a god of distance we've seen that through all of scripture that is the narrative, the main narrative of all of scripture is that God came close, right? And he calls us to do the same. And so Jacob, right, when we read the story of Jacob and all the things he did to achieve what he wanted, what he, what he thought he had to do to get to where he wanted to go, Jacob tried doing life his way by being sneaky, slithering around the truth. And see when there's distance, right? When someone is sneaky, they they kind of try to play around the issue. It's like how, how much can I get away with without getting too close? How much can I can I get from this without getting too close? Because it's it's safe. It's safe when you're distant. It's safe when I'm out here. And since we're talking about wrestling, you know I I love I love jujitsu. I I'm a big fan of, of martial arts and Jiu-jitsu is very different from other, other martial arts in the sense that it's, it's wrestling. It's, it's just like this, right? It's up and close. In, in martial arts or in self-defense, they teach you that if you are at least a two arms length from somebody, you're in the green zone, you're safe. The moment you are one arm away from somebody, you're in the red zone. The other safe place, or at least safer than the red zone, is when you're up and close, right in their face. There is, there is safety in distance, right? I can't get hurt from all the way out here. But the moment that I come close, the moment that there is proximity, there is vulnerability. Right? I'm going to ask Danny, since you're closest. I'm going to ask you to come up here with me real quick. I'm not going to ask you to do anything, I promise. It's just, just for the visual. I'm going to have you stand right here, sir. Thank you. Um, yeah, if I'm out here, there is, there is no danger for either one of us, right? The moment I'm here, body language changes immediately, (laughs) right? You, you feel uncomfortable. Thank you, sir. Round of applause for Danny. (laughs) And, and that's the point. It's, it's scary, vulnerability is scary. The idea of being exposed keeps people at a distance and away from intimacy. And that goes across the board for any kind of relationship. But it's interesting, right? Another example might be that when we're sick and the sickness or the illness is not surface level, but it's deep nobody wants their surgeon to keep a distance. You need that surgeon to come close. You need that surgeon to get up in there so he can cut you, so he can heal you. And so this time there was no being sneaky for Jacob. There was no excuses, no getting around the issue. Jacob was latched on. He was fighting this stranger the word says that he did not tap out. They, they wrestled all night. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he had to touch his hip. Makes you wonder why, why he didn't do that sooner, right? I feel like, like sometimes it's like when you're wrestling your dad, and he's just kind of letting you in, right? Until he gets tired of it, and can just like, okay. And so God touches Jacob in his hip and dislocates his hip. And I guess this just speaks of, of what, was hap- what had happened in Jacob's life, right? That the man who used to be so sneaky and would beat around the bush and would hide, all of a sudden he's latched onto God himself and he's fighting. He's not running. Proximity. And what does it say about God, right? Okay, can we brag on God for a second here? Can we talk about the fact that this is the God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, holy in every way, complete and lacks nothing, needs nothing from us. And yet, with every reason for him to keep a distance from you, to keep a distance from me, from us, God gets his hands in the dirt, unafraid, unafraid to come close to a humanity that is broken, that is so unlike him. And not just that we're unlike him, but we tend, like Jacob, to do things our own way. We give God every reason to him, like, I'm good. And yet God comes close. And see, if, if it was just a coming close, it, it would be cool. It would be good. But it's, it's, it's who... Who is it that's coming close? And so to my second point, first it was proximity, recognition. In, in, in the struggle with God or in the struggle of life as a Christian, there will be proximity to God. But there will also be recognition. See, at first we're not told who it is, A stranger is, that Jacob wrestles, right? We're just told that someone showed up and they started wrestling. But somewhere along the lines, or maybe as soon as he showed up, Jacob recognized who he was fighting. Jacob recognized. Because in verse 26, the man tells him, let me go. And what does Jacob say? Not until you bless me. If there was some random dude, what, what would Jacob say? believe that that this guy had to offer him. Why why was he? Jacob wasn't just fighting to flex. Jacob wasn't just fighting for the sake of fighting. He was holding on for something. He recognized that this person, this person was the one he needed that blessing from. He, he, He snuck his way into his father's blessing. But this guy right here, whoever it is that he's fighting in this moment, This is the one he needs the blessing from. This is the one he needs his affirmation from. What false affirmations have we been getting from this world and our culture? Do we recognize where it's actually supposed to come from? Struggle, struggle will sometimes push us to look somewhere else for affirmation, for for validation. Recognition. So Jacob recognizes that this is God he is wrestling with. And what happens? What happens when we recognize who God is? Simultaneously, whenever we recognize who God is, we will recognize who we are. Because there is such a huge gap, a huge contrast. When we recognize God's holiness, we we realize our own brokenness. When we recognize God's goodness, we we recognize our own evil, our own lack of goodness. So proximity and recognition... When faith is exercised, it reminds us of our finitude. And just the last point on recognition, I, I believe, yeah, there, there is something special that happens in, in combat sports when you train. And I believe it's the mutual struggle when, when two people are sparring or they're wrestling. There's a bond that is created between those partners who train together. You leave, you leave the match with a knowledge, a knowledge of who that person is and who you are. There's something about struggling with somebody that really, it brings out who you actually are in that moment. And, it, and it, you know that person in a very different way. Anybody ever seen The Matrix? I'm, I'm a movie nerd. Um, there's a scene in one of The Matrixes where Neo shows up and kind of like this, he shows up into a room and some guy just starts fighting him. right? And after the fight scene, the guy tells him, oh, so you're the one. And he was like, I could have just told you that. He's like, no, you never truly know somebody until you fought them. And that's beside the point, but there is truth to that. And I think anybody who, who has any kind of relationship, whether it's mother to son, daughter, father, husband and wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, best friend, In the moments of struggle, on the other side of that, what what happens to the bond? Right? So proximity, recognition, identity. There is a moment when God asks Jacob for his name and he answers, it's Jacob. Then God changes his name. And with that, his identity. Jacob was no longer the deceiver, but instead the one who struggles with God. When we as believers embrace and engage the struggle that it is to follow Christ, with all that it comes with, God uses that to help us become who he has called us to be. como cristianos cuando en vez de correr de la batalla, en vez de de correr de los problemas en vez de correr de las dudas a veces si peleamos la buena batalla Dios usa Dios usa aquello para formarnos y ayudarnos a convertirnos en la persona en que Él nos ha llamado a ser no, no, es, no es un mi mamá siempre decía en la economía de Dios nada se gasta la habilidad de Dios que Dios tiene para redimir aún las cosas más horribles de la vida la enfermedad la pobreza todas son cosas reales que pasamos no son cosas que eh, bueno así es la vida no, la vida duele But God has the ability to redeem even that. And so, where have you placed your identity? Who are you? Who do you believe that you are? Jacob Jacob lived out his identity as the angle grabber, the deceiver. What, what, What things about our past are we hiding from God? Because Jacob didn't trick his father and his own. Mom helped. What about your family do you need to start leaving behind? What identities of your family have you got to leave behind? Mom and dad did the best that they could. Our families did the best they could to raise us. But at some point, we need to... Look to God and say, what about my past? What about my family that I learned that does not honor you? That is not aligned with the identity you have for me. Too many people get stuck in, well, this is just who I am. in, 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 in this moment, this, this, this night particular, when Jacob wrestles with God, his identity was forever changed. And that process is called transformation, proximity, recognition, identity, transformation. And see, transformation doesn't always look pretty. Jacob walked away with a dislocated hip. You cannot have an encounter with God. You cannot have an encounter with divinity and not be marked by it. But in order to do that, there has to be proximity. Where is God calling you to come close? To wrestle with him. You got questions? Wrestle. You got doubts? Wrestle. Is there something going on in your life that's difficult? Wrestle. Come close. Because in that closeness, in that closeness, you can recognize who God is. And when you recognize who God is, That is the beginning of faith. Amen. That is the beginning of faith. The Bible says that faith comes through hearing and hearing not just some mes- just random message, message about Christ. When you recognize who God is, that is the beginning of faith. Amen. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so as Christians... We have to learn to embrace the struggle, not run, but embrace. It's not pretty. doesn't always feel good. Sometimes it's painful. But that's why Paul is able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This wasn't some, Paul was not about to walk into his football game. Right? He wasn't about to go win some, some baseball game. I'm not throwing shade here, but I think on the, in, in the west side over here, we have, we have sometimes watered down the significance of scripture, and we've turned them into cool slogans, hashtags. Paul was in prison when he said this. I know what it's like to hunger. I know what it's like to have plenty. I know what it's like to, you know, have much. In all of that, I've learned to be content, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The struggle was real for Paul. It wasn't some metaphor. It wasn't some cliche. Paul was in prison. And the point is that in all of that, when he had plenty or whether he didn't, the struggle was not taking his eyes off of Christ. It was through Christ. So the knowledge of who God is, is the beginning of faith. The recognition of who God is is the beginning of faith. And it only happens in proximity to God. So the beginning of of today's message, we we read a portion of scripture, and I'd like to come back to that. We looked at Jacob's story. and and So now I'd like to look at at the second man. I said earlier we're looking at, at two different men who seem to have nothing in common. In the New Testament, though, There's a story about a a centurion, a Roman soldier who comes to Christ. In the book of Matthew, uh, it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. if we just read over this, we can miss the details of this conversation. This man showed up to Jesus asking for healing like so many others had, right? But Jesus makes a statement about this man he does not make about anybody else. I have not found in all of Israel faith like this. What was it about what this man said that moved Jesus to say that? The reason why, in my mind, these two stories have some level of congruence is that this was a centurion. To become a centurion, you had to start as a foot soldier and climb your way through the ranks. And at this time, the Roman Empire had the greatest army, and they were conquering everybody. The Greeks were known for their navy. You know, the navy, they're in the water and there's a certain level of distance, foot soldiers. Romans were known for their foot soldiers, the dudes that go in and get up close. And this man was a centurion. He had a 100 of these under his command. And so this man knew struggle. He knew battle. He was a Roman centurion, which means that as a Roman, he had resources, he had wealth, and who knows who else he had gone to, we don't know much before this moment, but all we know is that this centurion, who at that time socially maybe had a higher status than Christ did, because the Romans were the conquerors and Jesus belonged to the conquered, to the Jewish people. This Roman centurion who was of a different faith, a different culture, probably didn't believe in the same gods that the people of Israel did, same God, he had his own gods, his own religion. And yet this man finds himself asking for help from this carpenter of Nazareth. And when Jesus offers to go to his house, anybody else would have been like, yeah, come through. What does this man say and not just no he doesn't just say no he doesn't just turn jesus down he says i don't deserve to have you under my roof recognition he recognized who christ was and everything he says after that just affirms that he says i don't deserve to have you under my roof but just say the word and my servant will be healed. How did he know this? He goes on to give the example, I myself am under authority, I have people under my authority. I heard, I heard Snoop Dogg once say, gangster recognize gangster. The shot caller in him recognized the ultimate shot caller in Jesus. Recognition. And it was Not just that he recognized, but in his recognition, he realized, I don't deserve, whoever this Jesus is, I don't deserve to have him under my roof. But I know what he can do. Because when I tell my servants to go, they go. There's something about this dude, Jesus, that when he says, be healed, people get healed. He recognized who Jesus was. And from that, he was able to display a kind of faith that Jesus said, I have never seen faith like this in all of Israel. Could it be that this man who had seen so much struggle been through so much battle was able through this struggle we had at the moment with his servant still see christ struggle has the potential to take our eyes off of jesus but when we have come to the end of ourselves struggle can move our eyes to jesus And last Wednesday, and I'll close with this, last Wednesday, we um, talked about faith and fear. And I mentioned a little bit of how sometimes the the phrase in church gets thrown around, you just got to have more faith. And not that the phrase is wrong, but I wonder if instead of telling people you just got to have more faith, the reality is you have to be stripped down to faith. stripped down to faith. You have to come to the end of yourself. And sometimes, that's an uncomfortable road, depending on who it is. Sometimes, as many resources as I have, I know who God is, I'm running to God. With all these resources I have, I know that this is not gonna get this done. This is not gonna give me my identity, this is not gonna solve this. I know who God is. And so we run to God. Sometimes, people like me who are hard-headed, we try to do things on our own and once we failed once and twice and try again and again, and we find ourselves at the end of ourselves, then we see who Jesus is and we remember. So struggle is not the absence of faith, but maybe it is the place, the gym where our faith is exercised. Where is God calling you to wrestle today? How is he calling you to recognize him? In the proximity with God, in the wrestling with God, we find transformation. We find our true identity. All these other things this world has to offer, don't do it. They keep you looking and searching. It's like being thirsty and drinking salt water. fix our eyes on jesus this morning let's pray lord god forgive us for the times we try to do things on our own when we scheme god almighty and try it in our own strength lord you call us father to come close to be stripped down to faith god And we recognize that outside of you, there is no good thing, Lord, that can satisfy the way you do. This world offers a lot of versions of peace, versions of goodness, God, but only you hold, Lord. Only you hold, God, what is true. Only you hold, God, what is ultimately good. So Father, I ask that you give us, God Almighty, the hearts to wrestle. To not run, to not shrink back, but through faith, God Almighty, that we would come close, knowing that your grace is sufficient, knowing that your sacrifice on the cross is sufficient more than enough, that there is nothing this world can offer us, Lord. There is nothing this world can give us that will make us complete but you, God, in your love and in your mercy. And in your grace, God, you call us that you would make us complete. You are the potter and we are the clay, Lord. So we look to you this morning, Father, for, for healing, not only of our bodies, but God, of our minds and our souls. We look to you this morning, God, for redemption, knowing that your grace is more than enough to cover our sins, Lord. In all the areas where we limp and where we struggle, Father, we ask that your grace would cover us and would move us towards Christ, Lord, to leave behind, Lord, the old and embrace what is new. We look to you, Jesus, this morning. Amen.